Book Two, Chapter Three of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Three: The Humility of the Blessed Mary, Notwithstanding the Miracles Wrought by the Lord, the Instruction on Humility which She Gave to the Apostles in Regard to the Wonders which They Themselves Were to Perform. Other Reflections. The principal lesson to be learned from the history of the Most Holy Mary, if it is attentively studied, is a clear demonstration of the profound humility of the Queen and Mistress of the Humble. This virtue in her is so ineffable, that it can never be sufficiently extolled or duly appreciated, for it will never be understood in all its perfection, either by angels or men. But just as the sweetness of sugar is added to confections and medicines in order to relieve the bitterness of taste, thus humility was mingled in all the virtues and doings of the Most Holy Mary, perfecting them and rendering them agreeable to the wishes of the Most High and pleasing to men, so that on account of her humility, the Almighty looked upon her with pleasure, and all the nations call her blessed. Luke chapter 1 verse 48 the most prudent lady lost not a single chance, occasion, time, or place, during her whole life, for performing all the acts of virtue possible to her. But it is a greater marvel that none of her actions or virtues ever was found wanting in the least point of humility. This virtue raised her above all that was not God, and just as by humility Mary conquered all creatures, so in a certain sense, by the same virtue, she also overcame God himself, causing him to find such complacence in her, that no grace which she chose to ask either for herself or for others was ever denied her. She subdued all creatures to her wishes by her humility, for in the house of her parents, as I have related in the first part, she won over her mother, Saint Anne, and the servants to permit her to practice humility. In the temple, the maiden and her companions at last yielded to her self-abasement, in matrimony, St. Joseph allowed her to perform the humblest services. The angels gave way to her desire for lowly occupations, and the apostles and evangelists obeyed her in not proclaiming her praises to the world. By her humility she moved the Father and the Holy Spirit, and even her most holy Son, to ordain that her dignity should remain concealed to the world, and that she should be treated in such a way as not to cause men to praise her for being the mother of him, who wrought such great miracles and holy doctrines. Such profound and exquisite humility could be practiced only by the most humble among the humble, for neither the other children of Adam nor the angels themselves could ever be placed in similar positions for practicing it, even if they should not fall short on account of the inferiority of nature. We will understand this better when we consider how the poison has so deeply entered the rest of the mortals by the first bite of the ancient serpent, that in order to counteract it, the divine wisdom has appointed the bad effects of sin itself as a remedy. For our own and proper defects, brought home to each one's consciousness, are intended to make sensible of the inherent degradation of our present state of existence, which we would otherwise continue to ignore. It is manifest that we have a spiritual soul, but it belongs to the lowest order of spiritual beings, while God occupies the highest and the angels in intermediate degree. And as regards the body, we are made not only of the lowest elements, that is, of earth, but also of its most unclean constituents, 
that is of its slime. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. All this was arranged not in vain by the eternal wisdom and power, but with a great purpose, intending that the slime of the earth should always take its proper place and be satisfied with the lowest position, no matter how much it might find itself embellished and adorned with grace. For it must bear all these graces in a vessel of clay and dust. Second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 7. We all lose sight of this truth and of our lowliness, so inherent in our human nature, and in order to keep alive the sense of our vileness and degradation, it is necessary that we experience the attacks of our passions and the disorder of our doings. And even our daily experience in this regard is sufficient to bring us to our senses and to make us confess our perversity. We still lay claim to the full excellence and distinction of a noble humanity, while we are but dust and slime of the earth, and moreover, by our actions, prove ourselves unworthy even of this lowly and earthly existence. The most humble Mary alone, not having on her the touch of Adam's guilt, nor experiencing any of its foul and dangerous consequences, was proficient in the art of true humility, and carried it to its highest perfection. And just because she understood to its fullest extent the position occupied by a mere creature, she humiliated herself more than all the children of Adam, though they are burdened not only with terrestrial origin, but with their own sins. Other men, if they become humble, were first humbled and must confess with David. Before I was humbled, I offended. And it is good for me that thou hast humbled me, that I may learn thy justification. Psalm 118, verses 67 and 71. But the mother of humility did not enter into her humility by being humbled. She was humble without ever being humiliated. She was never degraded by guilt or passion, but always generously humble of her own accord. Though the angels cannot be properly compared with men, being of a superior hierarchy and nature, and free from passions or guilt of sin, yet these sovereign spirits could not attain the humility of Most Holy Mary, even if they did humble themselves before their Creator as His creatures. That the Blessed Lady was of terrestrial and human make, was for her a motive and a means of excelling the angels in self-abasement, since they could not make their higher spiritual nature serve as a reason for abasing themselves as much as the blessed queen. Moreover, she possessed the dignity of being the mother of God and the mistress of the angels and of all creation, and none of them could ever claim such a dignity and excellence, which enhanced any act of humility on the part of the blessed virgin, and made her humility surpass all perfection of this virtue ever attained by any other created being. There was in Mary an excellence of humility, altogether singular and peculiar to her, for neither the full knowledge that she was the mother of God, nor the consideration of all the wonders that she wrought, or that were wrought by her divine Son, nor her position as the keeper and dispenser of all the divine treasures, as the most immaculate among all creatures, and as the most powerful and most favored of all God's creatures, could ever cause her heart to forsake the place she had chosen in estimating herself as the lowest of all the handiwork of the Most High. O oh, rare humility! O oh, fidelity never experienced among mortals! O oh, wisdom which even the angels themselves cannot aspire to! 
who that is acknowledged by all as the most highly exalted of all creation can ever in his own mind belittle himself and count himself as the most insignificant who like she can conceal from himself the praise which all unite in giving who in imitation of her can be so contemptible in his own eyes while for the rest he is so admirable who singled out for high distinction does not lose sight of lowliness and who invited to a like position can thus select the most lowly not by necessity or in sadness nor with impatient protest but with all his heart and with the sincerest content o children of adam how slow and dull we all are in this divine science how necessary it is that the lord conceal from us our own blessings or accompany them with some burden or counterweight lest we frustrate all his goodness toward us and lest we be prevented from scheming some robbery of the glory due to him as the author of all good in us let us then understand what dastardly humility ours is and how precarious if we ever have it at all for the lord let us so express it must use much circumspection and care in entrusting us with any advantage or virtue on account of the weakness of our humility and seldom does our ignorance fail to indulge itself with some petty theft on such occasions or at least with a vain complacency or inconsiderate joy the humility of the conduct of the most holy mary in regard to the miracles of christ our lord was a source of great admiration to her holy angels for they were not accustomed to behold in the children of adam and not even among themselves such abasement united to such great perfection and magnificence of activity nor did the miracles of the saviour in whom the holy angels expected and had already experienced proofs of his omnipotence excite their admiration so much as the peerless fidelity with which the most blessed virgin referred all miraculous works to the glory of god and by which she esteemed herself so unworthy of them that she deemed his not omitting them on account of her demerits and a special favor of her divine son such humility she practiced in spite of the fact that she by her constant prayer was precisely the instrumental cause of nearly all the miracles wrought by the lord not to mention this other fact that if the heavenly mother had not intervened between christ and the human race the world would never have come into the possession of the gospels nor ever merited to experience any of its effects the miracles and doings of christ our lord and saviour were so new and unheard of in the world that great admiration and honour could not but have been the result of his most holy mother for she was not only known to the apostles and disciples who acknowledged her as the true mother of the redeemer but by the new faithful who all came to acknowledge her as the true mother of the messiah and many times congratulated her on account of the wonders wrought by her son all this however was for her a new occasion of humility for she always humbled herself to the dust and debased herself in her own mind beyond all conception of created mind yet with all her humility she did not show herself slow and ungrateful in the acknowledgment of all the favors lavished upon her for in humiliating herself at sight of all the great works of christ she rendered worthy thanks to the eternal father for each one of them and thus filled out the great void of ingratitude of the human race and by means of the secret communication of her purest soul with that of the saviour she sought to divert toward god her son the honor attributed to her by his hearers this happened on some occasions which even the evangelists mention 
For instance, when the Jews attributed the healing of the deaf-mute to the devil, the Lord incited a woman to exclaim, Blessed is the womb that bore thee, and the paps that gave thee suck. The humble and attentive mother, hearing these words of praise, begged her divine son to divert this praise from her, and the Lord acceded to her request in such a way, that he turned these words into a still greater, yet at that time a hidden praise. For the Lord answered, Yea, rather, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke chapter 11 verse 27 By these words he neutralized the praise given to her as mother, but enhanced it in application to her as a saint, directing the attention of his hearers to the essential of all virtue, in which his mother was distinguished above all others and most wonderful, though at the same time none of his hearers adverted to this hidden signification. Another instance of this kind is mentioned by St. Luke, when he says that someone interrupted the preaching of the Lord by the message that his mother and his brethren had arrived, and that they could not come near to him on account of the press of the multitude. The most prudent virgin, fearing lest those within hearing, would break out in applause at seeing the mother of the Savior, asked her son to prevent such an event. The Lord again yielded and said, My mother and my brethren, are they who hear the word of God and do it. Luke chapter 8 verse 21. In these words likewise, the Lord did not deprive his mother of the honor due to her on account of her holiness, but referred it to her above all others, yet in such a way that the attention of the bystanders was diverted from her, and she on her part gained her object of seeing the Lord alone, praised and acknowledged for his works. I wish to mention that these events, as I have been made to understand, happened on different occasions and at different places. Accordingly, St. Luke records them in two different chapters, 8 and 9, though St. Matthew refers to the wonderful cure of the possessed mute in chapter the 12th, and immediately adds that the Savior was notified of the presence of his mother and his brethren, who wished to speak to the Lord. On this account, and on account of what else is said there, some commentators have thought that both the above-mentioned incidents took place at one and the same time. But having again been ordered to ask by my superiors, I was told that they were separate events happening at different times, which can also be deduced from the balance of the context of these chapters. For St. Luke mentions the incident of the exclaiming woman, after having related the healing of the possessed deaf-mute. The other incident he relates in the eighth chapter, after the Lord had preached the parable of the seed, and both of them followed immediately after what the evangelist had said before that. In order to understand more fully the perfect accord of the evangelists and the reason why the Blessed Queen came to her son on those occasions, I wish to state that the Virgin Mother frequented the sermons of Christ our Savior for two reasons. Sometimes she wished to hear him, as I have stated above, at other times she sought him in order to ask some favor for the souls, either regarding their conversion or the cure of the sick or afflicted. For the kindest lady took the remedy of all such evils into her own hand, just as she had done at the marriage feast of Cana. Being made aware of these and other pressing necessities, either by the angels or by her interior light, she was accustomed to approach the Lord, and such was also the object of seeking the master on the occasions mentioned by the evangelists as this happened not only once, but many times. And since the crowds attending the sermon of the Lord were often very great, 
he was notified on these and many other occasions not mentioned, that his mother and his brethren were seeking him, and on these occasions he spoke the words recorded by St. Luke and St. Matthew. There is nothing strange in his having repeated the same words on two different occasions, for he also repeated on several occasions this other saying of his, Because every one that exalteth himself shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Luke chapter 14 verse 11 and chapter 18 verse 14 Which the Lord used in the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, as also in that of the guests invited to the marriage, as can be seen in the 14th and 18th chapters of St. Luke, and the 23rd chapter of St. Matthew. The Blessed Mary practiced humility not only herself, but was the great teacher of humility for the apostles and disciples, for it was necessary that they be well founded and rooted in this virtue, in order to receive the gifts and to work the wonders, not only later on the foundation of the church, but even now, in the first beginnings of their duties as preachers of the word. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. The holy evangelists tell us that the Lord sent before him the apostles. Luke chapter 9 verse 2. And afterwards the seventy-two disciples, and that he gave them power to expel the demons from the possessed and to cure the sick. The great mistress of the humble counseled and exhorted them with words of eternal life how they were to govern themselves in performing these miracles. By her teaching and intercession, the spirit of wisdom and humility was deeply planted into their hearts, so that they well understood how entirely these miracles are wrought by divine power, and that all the glory of these works belong to the Lord alone. They understood that they themselves were merely the instruments, that just as the brush does not deserve the glory attached to a work of art, nor the sword that of victory, but all belongs to the artist or to the wielder of the sword. So all the honor and praise due to their miracles belong to the Lord and Master, in whose name they perform them. It is worthy of notice that none of these lessons given to the apostles before being sent to preach are mentioned in the Holy Gospels, but this was intentional, because all these instructions were given to them by the Blessed Lady. Yet when the disciples returned to their master, and full of exultation, told him that they had subjected to themselves the demons in his name, Luke chapter 10 verse 17, he reminded them that he had given them this power, and that they should not be elated except in having their names recorded in heaven. So feeble is our humility that the Savior was obliged to apply such corrections and antidotes in order to preserve it in his own disciples. But afterwards, in order that they might be worthy founders of the Holy Church, the science of humility taught them by Christ the Lord and his Holy Mother was still more necessary, for then they were to perform still greater miracles in the name of Christ and in confirmation of the faith and of their evangelical preaching. The heathens, being accustomed blindly to give divine honors to anything great or strange, and seeing the miracles wrought by the apostles, were only too ready to adore them as gods. Thus when they saw St. Paul and St. Barnaby in Lycaonia cure the man crippled from his birth. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 14, verse 9. They proclaim the one as Mercury and the other as Jupiter. Later on, when St. Paul survived the bite of a viper, while all the others had been bitten and died thereof, he was called a god. Acts of the Apostles, 
Chapter 28, verse 6. All these miraculous events and occasions Most Holy Mary foresaw in the fullness of her knowledge and as the assistant of her divine Son in the establishment of the law of grace. During the time of his preaching, which lasted three years, Christ went to celebrate the Pasch three times, and the Blessed Lady accompanied him each time, being present when in the first year he used the whip to drive the sellers of sheep, pigeons, and cattle from the house of God. In all the doings of the Savior, in the city and in his sufferings, the great lady accompanied him with admirable affection and heroic acts of virtue, according to her condition and circumstances. She conducted herself with sublime perfection, especially in regard to the practice of her most ardent charity, which she derived from the Lord himself. Since she lived only in God and God in her, the charity of Christ burned in her bosom and left her to seek the good of her fellow men with all the powers of her body and soul. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven. In his malice and astuteness, the ancient serpent strains all his powers to destroy in the human heart the science of humility sowed by the Redeemer as a seed of holiness in the human heart and in its place he seeks to sow the cockle of pride. Matthew chapter 13 verse 25 In order to root out these and allow free growth to the blessing of humility, it is necessary that the soul consent and seek to be humiliated by his fellow creatures, and that it ask the Lord incessantly and in all sincerity of heart for this virtue and for the means to attain it. Very scarce are the souls that apply themselves to this science and reach the perfection of this virtue, for it requires entire conquest of one's whole self, to which few attain, even among those who profess to be virtuous. This contagion of pride has so deeply penetrated into the human faculties that it is communicated to nearly all of men's doings, and there is scarcely one among men who is without pride, just as the rose never grows without thorns, or the grain without husks. On this account, the Most High makes so much of the truly humble, and those who entirely triumph over pride, he exalts in places with the princes of his people, esteeming them as his favored children, and exempting them from the jurisdiction of the demon. Thus it comes that the devil dares scarcely approach them, because he fears the humble and their victories over him more than the fires of hell. I desire, my dearest, that thou attain the inestimable treasure of humility in all its fullness, and that thou offer to the Most High a docile and yielding heart, in order that he may impress upon it, like a soft wax, the image of his most humble activity. As thou hast been informed of such deeply hidden secrets concerning this sacrament, thou art under great obligations to correspond to my wishes, not losing the least occasion of humiliation and advancing in this virtue. Neglect none of them, since thou knowest how much I sought after them, who was the mother of God himself, most pure and full of grace. The greater my prerogatives, so much the greater was my humility, because in my estimation, they far exceed my merits and only increase my obligations. All you children of Adam. Psalm 50 verse 7 were conceived in sin, and there is none who has not sinned on his own account. If none can deny this infection of his nature, why should not all humiliate themselves before God and before men? Lowering themselves to the very dust and placing themselves in the last place is not such a great humiliation for those who have sinned, 
for even then they will always be more honored than they deserve. The truly humble must lower themselves beneath that which they have deserved. If all the creatures would despise and abhor them, or offend them, if they would consider themselves worthy of hellfire, they would only fulfill justice, but not the requirement of humility, since that would only be admitting their deserts. But real, deep humility goes to the length of desiring a greater humiliation than that due to oneself in justice. On this account, there is no mortal who can attain to the kind of humility which I practiced, such as thou hast understood and described. But the Most High will be satisfied with and ready to reward the efforts of those who humble themselves as far as they can and as they deserve in justice. Let then the sinners admit their baseness and understand how they make of themselves monsters of hell by imitating Lucifer in his pride. For pride found him beauteous and endowed with great gifts of grace and nature, and although he dissipated those blessings, he had nevertheless possessed them as his own. But man, who is mere slime, and moreover has sinned, and is full of ugliness and baseness, is a monster, if he bloats himself up in vain pride. By such absurdity he surpasses even the demon, since man possesses a nature neither so noble, nor was ever gifted with such grace and beauty as Lucifer. He and his hellish followers despise and laugh over men, who in such inferiority swell up in pride, for they can well understand this vain and contemptible madness and delirium. Mind well, therefore, my daughter, this lesson, and humiliate thyself lower than the earth, showing just as little sense of injury as the dust, whenever the Lord, either himself or through others, sends thee humiliation. Never judge thyself injured by any one, nor consider thyself offended. If thou abhor pretense and lying, remember that the greatest offense is to aspire after honor or high position. Do not attribute to creatures that which God brings about in order to humiliate thee or others by affliction and tribulations, for this is protesting against mere instruments, while it is divine mercy which inflicts punishment on men for their humiliation. This, if they would only understand, is really what is happening by the disposition of the Lord to the kingdoms of our day. Humiliate thyself in the divine presence for thyself and for all thy fellow men in order to placate his wrath, just as if thou alone wert guilty and as if thou never hadst made any satisfaction, since during mortal life no one can ever know whether he has satisfied for his transgressions. Seek to appease him as if thou alone hast offended him, and in regard to the gifts and favors which thou hast received and dost receive, show thyself grateful as one who deserves much less and owes much more. By these considerations, humiliate thyself more than all others, and labor without ceasing to correspond to the divine clemency, which has shown itself so liberal toward thee. End of chapter 3